Put this to rest for me. I said, post-workout meals, yes or no, in that hour window that they always talk about. I, and I told them, I think that's the biggest lie in the face of the earth. I've never done it. Um, I haven't done it in probably 20 years. I said, I don't feel it's true at all. And they both said, researchers these are. They said, it's absolutely untrue. They said, the only way you would, you would ever eat into muscle or burn into muscle by not eating after workout is if you, if it was like multiple day fast and you're doing high intensity workouts every day, you might get yourself in trouble then. But if you have even like a little bit of fat on your body, you're gonna be totally fine every single day waiting a few hours after your workout. They said, as long as it's within like 24 hours, you'll be totally fine. Welcome to the Modern Longevitarian Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Stanfield. I have the privilege and honor to interview some of the most successful people in the fields of human performance and longevity. You can listen to Modern Longevitarian on your favorite platforms. If you have Apple Podcasts, please do me a favor and subscribe. Also, please stay tuned for an important message from our sponsor, Electrolife. How can you get into ketosis without eating a low-carb diet? In this episode, we learned that plus so much more from Kevin Rail. Kevin and I were introduced by a mutual friend of ours, Kimber. Kimber, thank you so much. As you will hear, Kevin and I have a lot in common, and we know a lot of the same people here in Park City. And it's strange how we never connected before now. The highlights of this interview are how Kevin solved his eating disorder with intermittent fasting, the healing power of extended fast, and the lies and the truth about post-workout protein and when you should refeed. This is a short yet intense interview, so grab your kettlebell and hold on tight. I encourage you to listen, learn, and explore the links in the show notes on modernlongevitarian.com. Now, my interview with Kevin Rayo. Here we are in Park City, Utah, sitting in the living room of someone that I just was introduced to, Kevin Rayo, also known as Killer K Rayo. Yes. And... Um, Gosh, we have so many mutual friends that uh, we have known over the years, and it's just shocking that we have never been introduced to each other. And the, one of the craziest things is we have so much in common, and we and we do so many of the similar things when it comes to living our best life to be healthy. So, Kevin, welcome to the Modern Longevitarian Podcast. Well, thank you very much, Scott. And to expand on what you're saying, I do find it quite interesting that we've never met before, or even seen each other, because ever since I moved to town in 06 all the people that I needed to meet just kind of appeared because I'm a big fan and a believer of spirituality and like everything just kind of falls into place as it should. And those who you're supposed to meet, you do. But you sound like one of those people that I would have been hanging out with forever if I met you sooner, just because of the whole fasting thing alone. But we think a lot alike and we have a lot of similar interests and we we have kind of followed the similar people over the years as well. And we have similar stories, but from different parallels, which I find very interesting. It's super, super intriguing as well. Yeah. I feel like that, uh, we've know each other better than we, we should since it's only been like what, five days. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> five days. Um, even one of our mutual friends, uh, uh, put on Facebook this morning, that it was a matter of time before the two most health conscious people in park city, Utah <laughs> met each other. So, uh, if Michelle's listening, thank you for that, uh, that comment, uh, out there. But anyway, uh, the, the funny thing is, is that I'd actually seen you, uh, once I figured out who you were on the fasting documentary, cause I'd watched that years ago and um, you, and you had reminded me that, that you were in there. And so I've watched that again, um, prepping for this interview and uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about the experience of being on a documentary and what happened with that, but also we can get into how, um, you know, fasting has really helped you with, with the problems and eating disorders and things like that you've had. An important message from our sponsor, Electrolife. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my favorite supplements on the entire planet, Magnesium with Immune Boost, made by Electrolife.com. Why magnesium? When it comes to nutrient deficiencies, magnesium ranks at the top of the list. It's right there with iron, iodine, and vitamin D. Just like sodium and potassium, magnesium is an important electrolyte. Electrolytes are needed to balance the water in our bodies, balance our body's pH level, and move nutrients into our cells while moving waste out. If you're keto like me, you truly know the importance of electrolytes and hydration. Believe it or not, magnesium is needed for more than 300 biochemical reactions in the human body. Some people say up to 600. Let me tell you why I trust this specific product made by Electrolife for me and my family. 
This supplement contains a high-grade magnesium plus potassium and over 60 other minerals that are key to our health. It's produced from the Great Salt Lake. And no, you can't just go over and dip your water bottle in and start drinking lake water. It takes three years from the point of capture to the point that this becomes a consumable supplement. Nowhere else on earth will you find a richer source of minerals and nutrients, and that's the truth. The other reason I love this magnesium is that it's easy to use. Just add it to whatever you're drinking. All you need is two droppers full each day. If you want to get started with one of the best magnesium supplements on the entire planet with an added immune system booster, click on the link in the show notes or go to electrolife.com forward slash shop. That's Electrolife with a Y is spelled E-L-E-C-T-R-O-L-Y-F-E.com. And now back to the show. Well, um, I have been interviewed for a couple of documentary films, actually. Fasting is definitely one of them. And it is something that I have a great passion for. And some people are scared to death of fasting because they think they're going to starve to death. And I'm like, that's farthest from the truth. Some people are afraid because um, they think they're going to um, pass out. They think bad, bad things are going to happen, but it couldn't be farther from the truth. And, you know, after getting it filmed in, in fasting, I've had a lot of people come up to me and ask me about my eating disorder. And interestingly, I've had um, disordered eating patterns ever since I was like five years old, probably. That's when it all started. And it escalated as I got older. And men don't really talk about eating disorders very often because usually they're too macho to talk about it or they just don't think that anything's wrong and they don't want to be looked at as lesser than or anything like that. But I wear my life on my sleeve. I never pull any punches. I tell like it is. Any video you see of me on Facebook or wherever I'm doing things, I'm brutally honest with myself as well. And if I'm having a bad day, you know it. And I don't pretend to have a good day. And I don't, I don't walk around with a fake smile on my face and I don't act like um, everything's always great and sunshine and rainbows because it's not. There are some days where you're faced with obstacles. And one of the major problems that I had is my addiction with food when I was growing up. And it was partially from my father being in the military. Was He was very strict. And me and my brother grew up in a very strict environment. And I always tried to please him no matter what. So I would literally, I remember being in fifth and sixth grade. I'd sit at the lunch table and I would, I would pocket the lunch money and I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy lunch. And I would suck my stomach in only because I was afraid kids were going to make fun of me that I had a pot belly. Because my dad used to joke with me and my brother and say, I don't want you guys getting pot bellies and getting out of shape when you get older and you got to be, you know, fit and blah, blah, blah. So I'd be like, he would show us some exercises he used to do in the military that are called different names than a lot of exercises people know of nowadays. Like side straddle hops, for example, are actually jumping jacks. And like a plank position is a front leaning rest and classical pushups are performed through elbows in by your rib cage and your chin or nose has to touch the floor. Like he was teaching us those kind of things. And that kind of stuck with me at a, at a young age. And as I got older, not super older, but I'm talking like 10, 11 years old. I would I'd literally sit there with my stomach, stomach sucked in because I was afraid I was going to be ridiculed. And that's when it all really started for me. And I always was like really worried about overconsumption of calories. And I would think about the over exercising all the time. I was always riding my bike all over town. I would make sure to work out all the time. And that kind of is where it started. And then I started you know, when I start, went through my education and got into fitness and exercise and started training people and stuff, it just escalated from there. And by the time I came to Park City, it's so beautiful out here. I'm always outside. And in 2008, I just took it way, way overboard. And I was down to 145 pounds. And I'm now, I'm like, I'm 6'3". So I'm about 185 right now. I weighed in this morning just because when I do a four-day fast, I always weigh in before and after. Just to show people that that fasting does not slow your metabolism down. That's why I do it. And if I, a guy who has you know, I'll probably end up losing 10 pounds this week. Not a question in my mind. And if someone who doesn't have that much weight to lose can lose that much weight easily, someone who has a lot of weight to lose can lose a lot of weight easily through the medium of fasting too. Because that's another fear I hear people say, oh, it slows your metabolism down. You got to eat all day long. And I'm like, no, that is an invitation for diabetes. But I know I'm jumping around. So be aware that I always do a warning with people when I start talking about something that I'm very much like Quentin Tarantino and I bounce around all over the place. So be aware for that of that. Um, but anyway, when I went through the and did the movie, people were asking me all the time. They're like, how do you how do you just like how do you use fasting as a as a remedy for an eating disorder? Because even in the movie, they stated there were a couple um, psychiatrists that were interviewed in there and they said they were asked what group of people should never do a fast. 
and it was like children under 18, pregnant women, and then they were very, they very much stressed the fact anyone with an eating disorder should never do fasting ever. And they're like stress strict about it. And I've seen a bunch of different people say that over the years as well. And I think I could possibly be one of the only people who have gone through an eating disorder who use fasting as a remedy for me and a treatment. And it works magic and it works perfectly for me. So the reason why it works for me, which is your next question, I can see it in your eye, <laughs> is this. When I was going through my eating disorder days, I had all the symptoms. I was like, I was very secretive about my eating habits. I would make these big um, salads and I would hide from people. People would invite me up to Main Street, invite me to parties, invite me to events and stuff going on. And I would come up with excuses of why I didn't, I, I couldn't go. And then I would just hide and I'd make food and I was in control of that food. And I knew how many calories it was. And I, I knew what time I was eating in the whole nine yards. And I knew I was in hundred percent control. And what I feared was if I go to a party and I have a drink of alcohol, or if I have a, a piece of cake or something along those lines, I'm going to feel so guilty. It's unbelievable. And it just like takes over your mind and you're pretty much way out of control with that. And I was already punishing myself before I'd even go, just thinking about drinking a beer or having like a piece of chocolate cake or something like that. And I would just overdose my exercise the next day, but I was still in control and I felt okay with that because I was in hundred percent control. So I was missing out on life is what I'm getting at. I, I, I wasn't, I didn't have a girlfriend at the time. My friends were all starting to get fragmented because they noticed I was I was just behaving really weirdly. They didn't want to hang out with me as much. People didn't want anything to do with me because I would, I would sit at a table and I would tell people exactly how many calories of food was in their plate and how much exercise they'd have to do to burn it off. And I would go around the room and just do that like a machine gun. Now, granted, my ability to count calories was beneficial for my vocation as well when I was helping people lose weight, which it still works too because not everybody's on board with fasting. But those who are on board with fasting but still want to know their calories – I know how to do that better than anybody else. And I do feel there's a time and place to still count calories with fasting. And we can talk about that later. Um, but I just got really good at it. And then on a personal level, I knew exactly how many calories I was eating and how many I was burning. And if I was eating more calories than I was burning, then I was negative. Mentally, I was negative and I was really frustrated. So I always had to flip the switches and I had to burn more calories than I was consuming every single day. That was basically what I was talking about in the movie too. Um, and that's what made me happy. And that's what made me excited. And if, and I would, I would stop at nothing to make that happen every single day. And that would, it, that would cause me to be exercising for sometimes up to five or six hours a day. And I wasn't eating a ton of calories either at that time. I mean, like maybe 1,400, but I should easily have been eating 3,000 calories minimum for the amount of exercise I was doing for my height and weight and muscle mass. And I wasn't even near that. But after I hit the wall and realized, uh, you know, I was, there was a point back in 2008, right around the economic downturn is when I keep referring to it as, cause it would all just like hit me at once. That whole thing. I hit the wall. I was emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally bankrupt. I was ready for, I didn't care if I lived or died. I literally didn't. I was, I, I had massive debt. I had a couple of houses back in Pennsylvania that I was late on the payments for them. The rent that I was getting didn't even cover the, the mortgage. And I was just like flatlined and I, I got really depressed. I didn't care if I lived or died. And I was pretty much left for dead. The whole thing though, through this whole encounter that I went through, that was the same across the board is I always worked out in a fasted state. And I noticed when I did that, I was able to, that's how one of the ways I was able to get lean and ripped. And I loved it. I loved that feeling. So I would do that, but then I was keeping my calorie intake really low. I wasn't doing really long fast back at the time, but I was definitely working out in a fasted state. It wasn't until a few years later that I started learning about the benefits of fasting that I started to apply it as a modality in my life and coaching other people on it. Then I started meeting the scientists and the doctors. Then I became good friends with Doug Orchard, who's the film producer of fasting. And then he's like, you, he's like, I'm interviewing you for the movie. It's not even a question. I'm like, okay, cool. So it re I realized then when I started to do time-restricted eating, which is a form of fasting, it was actually super beneficial to keep my eating disorder in check because it, it reignited my love of food because I'm half Italian. My mom was 100% pure but Italian. And she loved, all the stereotypes are absolutely true. She loved bread, she loved pasta, french fries, potatoes, sweets, you name it. She made the best of all that stuff too. And that's the environment I grew up in as a child. And I was very shielded by that because I saw some ill health with my my grandparents and different people in the family. And I was always scared to death of doctors. And I'm like, what, what can I do to prevent going to the doctors or the hospital all the time? Now, fast forward to my elbow injury, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But it was all kind of like coming into play in my brain at a young age. And I have these like, I feel like I'm psychic and I'm empathic at the same time. 
so I'm, I'm super emotional. I'm highly emotional and I attach to emotions really well. So when my father was strict with us, I, I like really sucked that in probably more than a kid should suck it in. And then when he said, suck in your stomach, literally, I would always be sucking in my stomach. He didn't say that to me, but I was always thinking I need to suck in my stomach because I don't want my dad to think I have a pot belly. And like, I was very impressionable. But that, when you're like empathic and you have this psychic power, that kind of lingers on forever and it gets stronger as you get older. It doesn't get depleted. It doesn't, you can't just like shut it off and say, yeah, I'm, screw that. It's, it's fine. I'm fine. You become like very strong-willed, but you're so attached to emotions. It's unbelievable. And that's kind of where I've always been. I'm like very impressionable. I care what people think about me. I care what people say about me. And that is like an exponent of 10 with somebody like me. But the average person could just shut that right off and not care about it, what people say or think. So it's almost like I always feel like I'm trying to please somebody and, and I'm not and I don't need to. And you're very hard on yourself when you have a kind of a, a, a personality like I do. And I'm, I'm super hard on myself. So I have learned over the years to try to balance things out more and, and, and give myself a little more slack. And, and those people that have came into my life are the ones that have helped me get to that point. Like I said before, everyone just kind of organically comes into my life that's supposed to. And all of that combined, I realized that time-restricted eating works so perfectly for me. It's, it's awesome. So if a friend of mine says, hey, let's go for breakfast on Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning, I will do one of two things. I look forward to it now. I look forward to when my fast is going to be broken at 11 o'clock in the morning if, if that is my eating window. If I finish at 6 the night before – I look forward to 10 o'clock in the morning the next day or 11 o'clock if I decide to stretch it to 11 or whatever. It makes me feel excited to eat food again. And I have I have a regimen, maybe because of the regimented part of it all, because people like me are like that as well. Like my, my workout schedule and like everything I do, it's kind of regimented. So I know that I'm going to be eating between these, these hours. I'm eating two meals and I'm super stoked to do it. And a friend says, let's go for lunch. I'll be like, cool. Can we go 11 o'clock or blah, blah, blah. I'll ask them if they could eat whenever I, my eating window is open. And no one even bats an eyelash about that. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go to blah, blah. I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't been there in a while. So it just makes me feel comfortable knowing that I have this structured eating window and I go and I, I eat twice a day, 16 hours is my minimum. And then once a month I do a 48 hour fast, sometimes I do a longer fast. Like right now I'm doing a four day fast, like we talked about. Right. And I'm joining you in on three days of that. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's as long as I felt like committing to, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate you doing any time because I always invite people in. They want to do a two-day fast. I'm like, just go as long as you want. Yep. 12 hours, 16, you know, it's up yeah. to you. The longest water fast I've done is 86 hours. So this well, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, that's three days. That's, that's three and a half that's, days. Isn't it? It's three and a half days. 10 yeah. hours short of four. Yeah. Right? And uh, that my headache was so bad and I had to go to work. And at the time I was managing a restaurant. So I was like, I, I uh, four days fasted, you know, going to work at a restaurant with a head, with a massive headache. Um, let me, let me, uh, let me break the, the water fast. And I didn't have, but I think about a thousand calories a day anyway, mm -hmm. and I'm keto. So I was, you know, I think I had about, you know, 90% fat, you know, those type of things. But let's get back to the, the fasting. So how did that help you? I mean, I think it may be an element of control, right. Mm -hmm. the, as well, but how did that help you um, regulate your eating to the point where you basically eliminated your, your disorder? Mm -hmm. Well, it was kind of a secondary thing. It was a, I came upon a revelation actually after I would. So when I first came out of my eating disorder, I was, I was stuck in the whole meathead six meals a day thing for years. You know, that's basically where all of us started from. Let's, let's just be realistic. And I mean, I was always doing the research on that and stuff and like eat every couple hours. It keeps your blood sugar stable, blah, blah, blah. But what I realized was it really doesn't make sense in the big picture from an anatomical and physiological level, because the whole idea with, with weight loss, with energy, with healing, with, uh, muscle gain, muscle maintenance, sexual function, brain function, it's all hormone manipulation and balance. So when you're eating all day long, you spike your blood sugar a little bit, give yourself a little bit of energy, but then right behind it, your pancreas is releasing insulin. And then two and a half hours later, your blood sugar starts going down like, oh, I got to eat again to make sure my metabolism stays high. That's the big myth right there. So you eat another meal, a small one, blood sugar goes back up. Insulin doesn't go down. It, it starts to go down slightly, but then it goes right back up. So during the whole course of the day, your insulin is just kind of like bobbing, like a bobber in a, in a pond fishing all day long, constantly. And then you're eating from like six in the morning until like 10 o'clock at night. And as long as you burn more calories than you consume in that time frame, you're going to lose weight and you're going to be fine. Well, that might be true to a degree. But the problem is your hormones are out of whack and you never give your insulin levels enough time to come down and reset. And the time in which your insulin is elevated is way longer than the time in which it is at rest. And at nighttime, the worst thing you could possibly do is eat late at night. That is the worst. I always said, if everyone stops eating 
by seven o'clock across the whole nation. The billion dollar healthcare crisis, would, I, don't know if, I don't know if I'd go as far as saying it would be cut in half in a year, but it would be a huge dent would be taken out of it. The late night eating and drinking is the most deadly thing you could possibly do to your body. So when I started my recovery out of my eating disorder, I started, you know, I had dysmorphia as well because I look in the mirror and I would, I, would invent, I would invent fat on my body and say, look how fat I am, look how fat I am. And I had to actually accept myself as I was going to gain weight. And that was, that was the hardest part. So I slowly just started increasing more calories into my diet. And I was scared to death of fat back then too. I was like, everything was fat free, low fat, low fat dressing, blah, blah, blah. Oh my God, how much fat is in it? My friend Jill can contest to that as well. And I started eating more fat. And like instantly within, I'm going to say five days when I started having more fat, I used to get these Halva bars, which I really liked. Halva is like a sesame paste. Mm-hmm. You make yep. them in first? Yeah. Yep. And they were like, they were like 480 calories. They were pretty calorie dense. And I remember I would eat like a meal and one of those bars when I went through my, my first recovery stage of, of right. getting out of my eating, my bad eating disorder. And I was scared to death that I was going to get fat, but you know, I, my brain started feeling better in a couple of days. Like mm. I was having these massive dips of, of energy and like happiness, sadness, scared, anxiety, up and down, up and down all the time. That was like the worst of the worst. As soon as I started eating more fat within a couple of days, I felt so much more at ease and I had a lot more omega-3 fats as well. Like I was eating more salmon and stuff like that. And my, my, I started feeling more calm and I was like, wow, I actually feel really good. Like, like I don't feel distressed. I don't feel depressed. I don't feel anxiety, none of that stuff. And it was the relationship with the fat. And then I started realizing, you know what? I think it's my hormones are so jacked up that that's a big problem. And my hormones are coming back in a balance now because I'm eating more fat in my diet. So I started realizing, I started researching the relationship of fat intake on hormones. I was like, well, holy cow, hormones rely on fat to, to function op- optimally and to be produced in your system or whatever. So then I squashed the whole low fat, no fat thing. And I went completely opposite direction. I started making sure fat was an a integral component of my diet. And I wasn't going keto or anything like that. I just made sure to have a lot of fat. And like, that was a big game changer for me. And I was able to pack on more muscle mass and I did gain a little bit of fat, but it was a slow, gradual process. And it took about maybe a whole, let's say eight to 12 months to get to a point where I felt like I was back hitting on all cylinders again. And it was at that point that I said, all right, I'm back in the game. Now, through that whole time frame, I was still working out in the fastest state and that did not change. So I was still staying lean and ripped in my opinion, as far as I could see. But then I started researching that a little deeper and I realized when you work out in a fastest state, especially if you're getting into the double digits, 10 hours, 12 hours, 15 hours, your human growth hormone starts to go up. Ideally, to be honest with you, I think 19 hours is the sweet spot for optimal mm-hmm. workouts with an HGH dump. You want to work out when you're in that position because that will get your body fat adapted faster and it's also going to build lean muscle mass the fastest. You want to work out when your HGH levels are high and your testosterone are high. At 4 a.m. in the morning for men, that's when their testosterone levels are pretty much the highest. So if you work out first thing in the morning, empty stomach, 12 hours fasted, you've got two bonuses, three bonuses. Empty stomach, number one, you're going to get fat adapted if you keep working out. HGH is high, testosterone is high. You can do the math. So you're going to build lean muscle mass, you're going to burn fat, and you're going to maintain fat burning throughout the day after you do this for a long, a long period of time. It could take a month, it could take two months, depending on the individual. If you're automatically kind of lean like I was already, I got fat adapted pretty quick. But someone who has a lot of weight to lose, it could take you a little bit longer to become fat adapted. So I started applying that even a little bit. I started stretching the fasting windows a little bit longer before I worked out and I started getting massive results again. Mm-hmm. Then I started digging deeper into the fasting thing and the six meals a day because I was, I was getting in a position where I didn't have time to eat meals certain times of the day. But I noticed I wasn't gaining weight. I wasn't holding on to weight. I wasn't getting fatter. People are like, you got to eat every couple hours to keep your metabolism fueled. I'm like, that just doesn't make sense to me. I felt absolutely, actually, I started feeling better. I started feeling more energy. I was, I was still getting like peaks of energy and drop-offs years ago when I would do that six meals a day thing. And when I started eliminating a couple meals and I went back to more of like a three meal a day pattern, I didn't, nothing, there was no change. I didn't gain weight. I didn't gain fat. I didn't lose muscle. My energy levels were higher and I felt stronger, I would say. So then I had a conversation with Doug Orchard. And he was telling me about all these doctors he was talking to and researchers and scientists about fasting. And because I was in his first, his, another film, his The Motivation Factor, which is a great film too. You should watch that one. It's about classical PE and stuff like that. Um, and he started telling me about the fasting thing. And I was like, I knew it. I said, I knew there was more to the, to the story. So then he just started feeding me people's names left and right and like all this information. And I got all this backline information. So I just went like to all of the experts on fasting. And I'm like, why? Has this been hidden for so long? And then it all occurred to me. I'm like, I know exactly why. And it's the same thing Mindy said, I think. 
And it's because there's no money in fasting. Right. There's money to be made with pharmaceuticals, tons and tons and billions of it. And that's where all the, the sick care is like geared toward. But if someone came to me and said, uh, I got a, a knee issue and a blah, 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 what should I do? And I'd be like, well, first thing you should do is a four day fast. You should eat and drink. You should wa have water and sea salt, get your body as alkaline as you possibly can, fast as long as you possibly can as well, and watch what happens to your inflammation. Those who follow the pattern, they achieve success and their eyes get really big and they're, they're on for life for fasting. And to me, it's one of those things that is like, it is hidden and it is shoved down and there's like, you know, this, there's not millions of studies, but there's enough studies out there for people to believe that it works. I am proof in the pudding that it works. I know for a fact it does. It has helped my eating disorder, first of all, which is really major. But anytime any other thing that happens that comes to town, if I have any kind of ailment, whether it's like, like I had plantar fasciitis a couple summers ago, it just appeared out of nowhere. I, I was coming out of Whole Foods one day, I had my minimalist shoes on, and I remember stepping on, there's like these little bumpy, this little bumpy area on the sidewalk that's like that for the, um, the snow so the snow melts off faster in the winter or something. But I came outside, I wasn't paying attention. I stepped on it and I hit my heel on my left foot. And I think it caused some kind of bone spur to occur. And I, I changed my gait pattern. So I was always gimpy and limpy. And what ended up happening was the plantar fascia on my left side got just, just mashed up. Right. And it was so painful all summer long. I kept trying to work out, kept trying to run. And it lasted for like two months. Now during the summer, I don't normally do 48 hour fasts because I'm so active. I know when to hold them and fold them, I say, and you have to be able to figure out what works best for you as a, as a person doing fasting. Right. So I like to do my beefcake workouts and I like to go and do two half hour bike rides with my friend Jill or like go hiking and do all these other things. And if you're too active, you can burn into muscle. And I don't want, I don't want that to happen in the summer. So usually I park my 48 hour fast during the summer and that's what I did two summers ago. And then after August came, I started doing my 48 hour fast again. So September came, I did a 48 hour fast. I'd say it got about 50% better. The next month I did a 48 hour fast, got 50% better. And by, by like October that year, that year, it was gone. So in, in two months of two 48 hour fasts and 16 hours in between, I healed my plantar fasciitis and it hasn't, it hasn't been the same ever since. There's so much healing that happens in fasting. Uh, you know, I've done the same thing. I, I've had some long-term chronic back pain that has gone away. Yeah. Um, you know, my wife, you know, we did the master cleanse and she did it for 17 days. I don't, I don't know if wow. you've ever heard of the master. I do. Yeah. Right? The lemonade diet. Yeah. And With the um, maple syrup and, and cayenne. Because, yeah. Maple syrup, cayenne pepper, the fresh lemons. And, uh, she, um, had pretty much every time she got a cold, it would go into her chest and get bronchitis. And that hasn't happened since. And that was years wow. ago. That was probably, uh, six or seven years ago that that happened and just like healed that part of her. That's awesome. Um, and so there's so many things that happen and, um, I know that you're, you're started this four day fast to help some healing from, from your, your, um, your bike accident, you had mountain bike accident you had, and we can get into that in a second, but I really, because you went so much into fasting and how it's helped you so much. I wanted to, maybe if you can give just a couple minutes on like the exact protocol you follow for your fasting now, and then we can, um, we can, we can, uh, talk about your bike accident or maybe how we ended up at the same place from starting to different places. So, mm -hmm. well, I do a 16, eight protocol which has become like the big gold standard for some reason. That's the gold standard of fasting. I don't know why. Um, it just works for me. And that's what I, I didn't choose that specifically in the beginning. I went through the, I put all the pieces together and I did all the research and I'm like, 12 hours minimum is going to get you on the playing field with fasting. So I always encourage people to at least try to fast for 12 hours a day. It's not asking much. It's like me asking you, please exercise for 30 minutes a day. It doesn't take much to go for a 30 minute walk. It doesn't take much to do three bouts of 10 minutes of exercise a day. It's absolutely rudimentary in my opinion and everyone in the world should be doing it, first of all. Um, so when I realized that was the case, I then, I was a chronic late night eater, but I mean, I, I would eat like this massive, like super healthy food at late at night and I'd go right to bed. And I'm like, this is my pre-workout formula because I want to work out in a fasted state. This is my old, right, right. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to preload my body tonight and then I'm going to have all this glycogen stored up for my workout in the morning. I'm going to crush it. And I did that for years and, and I did crush it, but- it wasn't the, the healthiest way to go. And even if you're eating a kale salad with organic chicken breast on at 10 o'clock at night and going to bed, it's still not healthy people. Just know that. So that was the biggest, that was the hardest part for me was, was eliminating that late night eating. So I actually just threw myself right to the wolves and did a 48 hour fast to start out with when my elbow was jacked up. Let me have a sip of water. From the last time I got injured and that was, that was mild in compared to this, but I ruptured a bursa in my elbow when I went over the handlebars and it was like a golf ball. 
on, a, on the end of my elbow. And I'd already been doing time-restricted eating at that point, but it was only like 13 hours and I was eating three meals. And I was still eating kind of late at night. I didn't, I didn't do like the shift of daytime thing for, for a little while after I started fasting, after I got a little bit deeper into the weeds and I started talking to some doctors and scientists about that and what happens to your pancreas at night and everything. And I'm like, well, I don't want cancer. That's a big reason. My dad died of cancer. My mom had cancer and she overcame it, but then she died in a car accident. So it was kind of like a tragic thing, um, but it is what it is. But the main, the main thing with me was I wasn't using fasting as a medium to lose weight. Most people use it as a weight loss strategy nowadays. However, for me, it was always about the benefits and it was always about how do I reverse the aging process because I'm big into biohacking and how do I boost my immunity through the roof and how do I avoid cancer, diabetes, all-cause mortality, dementia, and everything goes on and on. So then I started going into the deep weeds about fasting and how that applies to all that. And I was like, wow. Again, I was like, why is no one talking about this? So I started out basically 13 hours, three meals a day. Then I did a 48-hour fast when my elbow swelled up like a golf ball. And in two days, it was as flat as a board. Mm. And that's when I was 100% sold. And I felt so freaking good after that, that second day of that first fast I did, the first 48-hour fast. It was unbelievable. Brain function was through the roof. My eyes were laser light focused. My concentration levels were excellent. My teeth got really white. My eyes got really white. Mm. My skin felt really soft and smooth and supple. And I noticed all these auxiliary benefits I was getting. And this is like the first 48-hour fast I ever did. So what I realized was this. I was always a clean eater. And I'm like, if you're eating clean and you eat like six meals a day and you're in the old mind frame, I highly encourage you all to start shifting your focus more toward time-restricted eating and fasting because you're going to have massive benefits when you do. And when you start feeling those benefits and then you hit a 16-hour fast and you feel amazing and you eat two meals a day with no snacks in between, it's going to be super easy for you to maintain it. And it's always the benefit that I attach myself to that, that keeps me coming back for more. So after I started... Uh, after that summer came, after that year, I don't know, maybe it was like three years ago, maybe four years ago, I started shifting my window to, I started shrinking it down a little bit. So then I started going 15 hours and I started working my way to 16. And when I first started thinking about doing that, I'm like, I was a little bit nervous. And some people get like this anxiety about fasting too. And they're like, oh my God, I'm going to be dumb to die, blah, blah, blah. And you don't just jump right into it. You start with 12 hours and then you slowly increase it. 13 hours, 14 hours, 15. And then right. you arrive upon the fasting protocol that works best for you. And for me, given my my workout regime, my high intensity exercise outside my workouts, my on the go pace and my vocation and everything I do, the 16, eight protocol and two meals a day works perfectly for me. And that's why I do it. And then I will do a 48 hour fast once a month. And the reason I do that is to boost my immune system through the roof even further to reduce the risk of cancer, which my dad died from to reduce the risk of diabetes, to risk, reduce the risk of heart disease, dementia, glaucoma, you, you name it, the list goes on and on. So when you hit a 48-hour fast, you're absolutely guaranteed to hit autophagy at some point, and you're going to get a massive stem cell dump when you come out of your fast. So those are the reasons why I do what I do, and that's the, the protocol I follow. And then this past winter, I started experimenting with the longer fast because I'm like, long server done is 48. I'm going to try a 60. So I did a 48. Then the next month, I did a 60. The next month, I did a 72. Then the next month, I did a 48, like through mm. the, the winter months this year. Wow. And then I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, the last was a four-day, not a 48. Right. So, so I did like 90, that. 96. Yeah, 96. Yep. And then when I hit 96, I'm like, I can go another day if I want to. I was like, mentally, yeah. I could have. Because mm -hmm. your appetite just kind of like flattens out and you're just feeling a, you're just feeling a groove. You're like your energy is up. Your mood is like really high and you just feel amazing. So I'm like, now I know I accomplished the four-day fast. And to me, that was that was the gold standard. So Doug, he does a, a quarterly four-day fast. Mm -hmm. He doesn't marry, I think he does them every three months. And we always chat behind the scenes about how he's doing and what he's doing and stuff like that. And that works best for him. And I decided, uh, like, finally, I'm like, I got to do a four day fast over the winter. So I finally did it. And, and after literally like day two, you're just like, you're on cruise control. You can just go forever. Right. And you know, when I was starting to research fa deeper fast years ago, like the prolonged fast, I'm like, I just, I, I don't know how, how, how people can do it for four days, five days, 40 days, all these different things. People are doing it in clinics for 40 days that have chronic diseases. But you know, it's after you get past the second day, it's like, that's the gold standard in my opinion. Once you get past day two, it just becomes easy. I mean, you've done three day fast. You know how it is. Well, I, and I didn't tell the whole story with that. Um, I actually fasted over 21 days. Oh, wow. Yep. And what happened was I did, about, I had about 10,000 calories over those 21 days and I had micro water fast that were gradual inside the 21 days. Mm -hmm. So the first one was a 24 hour water fast, which was easy for me because I, I do 
you know, um, 20, 24 a lot. And I started fasting eight and a half years ago, intermittent fasting with uh, doing 20 hour fast or under eating and having a four hour feeding, um, stage. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, uh, and then I went two days and then I went three days and in between that I would eat up to like a thousand calories for a couple of days. And then I would do another fast again, Mm -hmm. another water fast. And I don't know what, you know, got me to do that, but I learned a lot about that. And I think that, um, and then three fourths the way through is when I went 86 hours. So I, I lost a lot of weight during that time. And I had been listening to Dr. Jason Fung, Mm -hmm. which wrote the complete guide to fasting, which is amazing. And one of the things is he debunks is, um, starvation mode, which we yeah. talked about. He mm-hmm. actually says that your metabolism actually speeds up when you're fasting. Mm-hmm. There'll be in the first 24 hours, there might be a little protein burn, but then there's a protein sparing aspect, mm-hmm. which is also in the uh, keto diet as well. Um, and so I lost my 40 pounds the second time, not with keto, even though I've been keto for four and a half years, but through intermittent fasting, which is all those things that you explained. So I was still a carb burner and lost 40 pounds mm-hmm. with fasting. Yeah, And so for, for me, I do 16, eight, I do 24 and I do 24 hours. So I do in a week I will, and I even do less than that on, on a feast day, which is normally Sunday. I will eat earlier in the day and not fast as long. Um, the, the most shared video I think I've ever had about fasting that I've not, that I've had that I've shared of somebody else's is Dr. Mindy Peltz, which you actually referred mm-hmm. to earlier. And it explains the, what happens with insulin. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a 13 hour from when you spike insulin, it takes 13 hours for it to get down low enough to where it sends the signal in your body that it's okay to burn fat. Mm-hmm. Because as long as your insulin is high, which is what you talked about bumping along through this six meals a day thing, no matter how many calories you burn more than you take, you're the signaling inside of your body through your hormones. So your insulin hormone is to store fat. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about this, let's say you have pizza for, for dinner. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and that is at seven o'clock mm-hmm. and at seven o'clock in the morning, you have a bagel. That's 12 hours. Yeah. That spike from the pasta or the pizza or whatever you had the night before for dinner, that dessert that you had, you have not, you had not allowed your body to get to the point where it actually allows it to actually burn fat mm-hmm. yet. And that's think that's the important piece of intermittent fasting that people don't really understand. Now, um, I, I, I'm going to skip, I'm going to skip back to uh, FitCon last year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause you eat, how many carbs a day do you, do you, you told me yeah. <laughs> more than more in a day than most people in a week, probably right. More than, more than a keto person eats in a year, probably. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm, uh, I'm doing another 28 day trying to, uh, thing. I'm in the middle of this where I'm, I'm trying to average about, uh, a thousand calories a day mm-hmm. and I got everything that I've been doing, um, in a spreadsheet. I noticed that I was splurging more on carbs than I thought. Mm-hmm. And then after the first week, I started really bringing my carbs down. And there's been days, there's been meals, some of these meals you've been seeing on Instagram. Yeah. There's like one carb in that whole meal, right? That, 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 that I'm, that I'm eating for the day and I'm hiking for two and a half miles. I'm fasted 24 hours, sometimes 25 hours at the time I'm doing the fast where I have the meal, you know, all those different things. And I feel absolutely amazing. I'm deeper in ketosis now than I was before I started this this, this thing. But what happens is you're eating sometimes over 200 grams of carbs a day, mm-hmm. Easy. but you went to FitCon and you had your blood tested and your ketones were as if you were in the ketogenic diet. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I, I have a different philosophy on how your body burns substrate. So people say carb burner, fat burner, whatever. There's a continuum on what your body burns for energy, in my opinion, when it comes to um, your daily processes. So we're just sitting here chatting right now. So the main thing that's being burned is fat and oxygen. Okay. If we were out walking, we would still be burning predominantly fat and oxygen because we're talking. But if we start jogging and then we start sprinting, there'd be a, a transition that goes on in the body. And once you cross the anaerobic threshold, your body relies predominantly on stored glucose, which is carbohydrate for energy. That's why I'm a big fan of interval training. So I've been doing that for years. That's another reason why you can, you can maintain lean muscle mass and it boosts your testosterone through the roof as well when you're finished for about 24 hours. So if you get your body into a state where you're doing your workouts revolve around high intensity interval training and you work out in a fasted state over time and then you still don't eat after your workout is over and you let your hormones come back down to balance because there's a little trick of the trade that goes on with your body where your, your insulin actually rises a little bit when you're done working out. And if you 
hold off for a couple hours. After you're done working out, your insulin will start dropping back down again and your HDH will go back up. Then you eat your first meal after that, a mm. couple hours after. So the people that say, when you go to GNC and they try to shove their protein powder in your face and say, you need to drink this right after your workout, it's all lies. Don't believe it. Yeah. There, again, it goes back to hormone manipulation. And if you can figure out how to get your hormones correctly into balance, you can master a lot of things. And what I have figured out is me working out after 12 hours and then still fasting for several hours after the workout, your body is like an incinerator and you burn a ton of calories the hour after you're done working out and then your metabolism stays elevated and your insulin comes back down, HDH goes back up, you break your fast and you're good. Now, when you're working out, like I was saying, you go through a continuum. So to say you're a fat burner, you're a, you're an oxygen burner and you're a fat bur- or a carb burner, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't personally feel that's completely accurate. I think it has to do with your level of activity. There's a lot of variables involved to just like say you're a carb burner, fat burner. I think I need to know more about I need to know more about how you work out, when you work out, all the variables. There's too many variables involved to just point a finger at one or the other. So for me, I like everything. I, I believe in holistic, I believe in balanced, balanced meals, balanced food, the whole nine yards. So that's basically what I stick with. And I also believe in a really high fiber diet. And the only way you get a really high amount of fiber is by eating a lot of carbohydrates. So I eat legumes, I eat fruit, I eat vegetables, I eat um you know, sweet potatoes, yams, all these kind of things. Um, cruciferous vegetables, I love those, are probably my favorites. I don't care what preparation it is, baked, broiled, chopped up, you know, diced or whatever. I eat those a lot. And I feel that the 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 big um factor when it comes to getting ketosis is not necessarily the fact that you're you're abstaining from carbohydrates. It's how do you work out? Do you work out in a fastest state? How long is your fast before your workout? And what does your workout look like? Are you doing high intensity interval training? Are you doing walking? Are you doing hiking? Whatever. And how long have you been doing that? So I went down to FitCon two years ago and Keto Mojo was down there, the one that does that finger prick test thing. And I was, I've entertained the idea of getting one of those. Haven't gotten one yet, but they were doing finger prick tests. So literally I worked out in the morning, 12 hour fastest state. By the time I got down there, I was about 17 hours fasted and, and I walked in with my backpack and I had a shake with me. It was a plant-based um, protein superfoods it is by Amazon, uh, Amazing Grass, which I really like that company. So literally I went inside and I shook it up and I drank it because it was time to break my fast. I was, I, was kind of, I was getting hungry at that point. And then we start walking the aisles, I run into Keto Mojo and I'm like, hey, you want to get your keto check, ketos checked? I'm like, sure. So maybe a half hour had passed after I had this shake even. She checks my keto, my ketones. I didn't tell her a word. I didn't tell her if I was keto or if I was eating meat or not or blah, blah, blah. She checks my blood sugar. She's like, oh, wow, your, your, your ketones are, I wish I remember what the number was. I can't remember. She said, they're blah, blah, blah. She's like, you must do the keto diet. She's like, you're pretty high. I was like, nope. And she like stopped. Like, like she like brushed me in. And then she stops looking at me. I said, no, I don't do that. And she's like, well, what do you do then? And I go, well, I said, I'm plant-based vegan right now, 100%. I said, I just had a shake about a half hour ago too. And she was like, and her mouth just drops. She's like, wait, you eat carbs? I'm like, yeah, I eat carbs. I eat, ton- I eat like at least 200 grams a day. And she was like, and her mouth dropped even more. And honestly, she was probably about 30 pounds overweight. And I'm like, you follow the keto diet? She's like, yeah, strictly follow it. My ketones are blah, blah. I'm like, cool. I'm like, keep up. I go, if that works for you, great. I said, obviously what I'm doing works for me. So this is what I do. And then I was, I was giving her this big lecture about this whole story. I'm just telling you right now. I was explaining this whole thing to her. And she was just sitting there with her mouth open. Like she never heard a word of it before. I'm like, how do you not know this? How does this stuff? I'm like, I don't understand. I'm like, yes, you can get into ketosis fast by the medium of, depleting your carbs down to 30 grams a day or less or 25 and eating high fat and moderate protein. If you do it by the books, sure, you can do that. But I like my carbs way too much. So I'm not going to go that route and it doesn't work for me. So I am not, I personally am not, I'm, I'm not for eliminating whole food groups from my diet. I don't particularly like that. I don't feel like it's, I feel like if God's stuck it on the earth to pull out of the ground, rip off a tree, <laughs> it's for me to eat it. Okay. So I grab it and I eat it. Yeah. And I know what works for my body. I know it doesn't work for my body. So that's the, the route I take. Right. I'm very binary, black and white. We got, I know we're running short on time and, and, uh, um, but I, I really love the fact that, you know, understanding that when I started fasting eight years ago, that intermittent fasting, that even though I was a carb burner, um, that I was getting the ketosis in the afternoon, mm-hmm. right before and, and working out in a fastest state, I had a stand up desk. I was burning tons of calories. I was commuting to Salt Lake at the time. And, uh, and so as Dr. Mindy says, or as you've proven and I've proven and many people have proven that you actually get into ketosis two different ways. One is by being on a ketogenic diet mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. the others by fasting. Yes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's it. Um, one, two quick things, right? So, um, when I worked at the Salt Lake Regional Medical Center as a director of food and beverage at the hospital, mm-hmm. I was, that's when I started this journey on fasting. And, uh, I was questioning the same thing you were, which was, do you need protein or do you need a, a, a post-workout meal? And our, our chief dietitian, Dion, I asked her this question during lunch. Yeah. An hour later, she produced a PubMed study that proved that you could build muscle without having a, pro, a post-workout protein meal or shake or any of those things. Uh, and uh, I, I wish I could find this study. Like I said, it was eight years ago. Um, and I've looked for it a couple of times. I can't really find it. But my, my point being is this. Um, I think that the biggest lie is not post-workout protein, it's pre-workout meals. Because you have a saying, I think, is fitness before food. Is that how you, how you say it? Um, fast before fitness. Fat, fast before fitness. Fast yes. before fitness, yes. yes. That I, sums it right up. Yeah, sums it right up. And uh, so before um, I ask my last question, I know we're short on time. Where can people find you online, Kevin? Um, best place to find me is on YouTube. Uh, my Six Pack Challenge is the name of my page. You can find me on Facebook, Kevin Rail. I'm on Instagram as trainer underscore rail or just punch my name and you'll find me there as well. Um, you can look up the movies fasting and the motivation factor. I suggest you b- watch both of those. Our name is on prime. And um, I want to elaborate on something you said about the feeding after your workouts. That is again, 100% unadulterated lies. And that's what the supplement companies have wanted you to believe for years because they want you to take their shakes right after your workouts. So, um, and, and actually I know um, Dr. Fung has this secondary um, group that he works with called the, um, what is the name of them? I don't want to misquote the name. Basically they specialize with fasting with, with obese patients and diabetic patients. And they actually came down and, and hung out with me for a few days and tracked what I was doing down here because they didn't know too many people that worked out in a fastest state that, that had did it so long that had such good results with it. So they were getting a lot of sports teams coming to them, asking them questions about how they do it and blah, blah, blah. And like, well, we don't really work with, with like athletics and fasting. So they wanted to get it from somebody who knew what they were doing. So they, they met me through the movie and stuff because they were interviewed as well. Right. And we came down and hung out with them. And I, they, they just picked my brain for five days in a row. But I asked them a couple of questions too. And I said, put this to rest for me. I said, post-workout meals, yes or no, in that hour window that they always talk about. I, and I told them, I think that's the biggest lie in the face of the earth. I've never done it. Um, I haven't done it in probably 20 years. I said, I don't feel it's true at all. And they both said, researchers, these are. They said it's absolutely untrue. They said the only way you would you would ever eat into muscle or burn into muscle by not eating after workout is if you if it was like multiple day fast and you're doing high intensity workouts every day, you might get yourself in trouble then. But if you have even like a little bit of fat on your body, you're going to be totally fine every single day waiting a few hours after your workout. They said as long as it's within like 24 hours, you'll be totally fine. And I was like, that's exactly what I thought. Exactly. Well, I mean, so. you think about this. I weigh about 170 pounds, 165 170 pounds. If I'm at 10% body fat, that's 17 pounds of fat. Right. At, and a pound of fat is 3,500 calories. Mm-hmm. We've been taught that, you know, for years under eat by 500 calories a day, work out and you'll lose a pound a week. Right? Yeah. So you do the, even if you take 10 pounds, that's 35,000 calories. <laughs> How many I, marathons can you run that, with that yeah, much? A lot. Exactly. <laughs> Right. And it's like, so uh, here's the thing. I learned about fasted workouts from the warrior diet, which is what the protocol I use. I got the book right over there. Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) his uh, superhuman workouts. I don't know if you've seen that where you, how that worked. And, um, and so I've been, it's kind of a a mind bending thing to like, okay, I've been fasting for 19, 20 hours. Now I'm going to go work out. Cause at first I will tell you this, you do feel a little weaker in the beginning, but but once you start getting there now, it's like, I mean, like I said, I, I, there's, I posted on Facebook the other day. I was 25 hours fasted. I had two espressos hours, you know, before 10 o'clock that morning. And I only ate like 500 calories or 600 calories that whole day after the workout. Yeah. You know, and even in that book, the warrior diet, he talks about not having your post meal until an hour after you work out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, theoretically, if you're going to fast, you know, 16 hours, you could, you know, do your workout at 13 or 14 hours and then let everything happen and then eat on your 16th hour Yeah, and do that and, and, and get there. So my last question I ask this to every guest is, um, if you could give one piece of advice mm-hmm. to the listeners on how they can expend, extend their health span or the best years of their life, what would that one thing be? 
I would say don't eat late at night. I think that's the biggest problem that I see out and out everywhere. People go out to dinner at seven. They have a cocktail before their meal comes. Then they eat a ton of processed food, combination of saturated fat and carbs, which is the biggest devil there is. Simple carbs and, and saturated fat is the worst thing you could possibly do. So I, I'm sorry if this is more than one thing, but don't eat late at night and don't eat simple carbs and saturated fat together. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's a, that, that's great. I mean, it, absolutely amazing advice. I am actually writing an ebook right now on sleep, how to get the best sleep. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a section on the book about things to, to stop when doing things mm-hmm. and when to stop eating is one of those sections. When to stop that's drinking perfect. is one of them. Um, when to stop drinking caffeine is another one. Yeah. And so there's these elements of when we should stop to have the best, best night's sleep. Yeah. Because sleep is connected to everything. Absolutely. And, um, and one of the things I've been, you know, just heard just the other day was like, I was listening to the fasting documentary actually mm-hmm. about how eating past seven o'clock messes up your clock and because you're circadian you're, rhythms, circadian rhythms and all those things with your organs, cause they're shutting down then you're actually stimulating them. But, um, Absolutely great interview. I really appreciate your time. I know we ran a little bit over time and thanks for coming on the show. Yep. Thank you very much for having me. It's awesome. It's been amazing. The statements expressed in this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Thank you for listening to the Modern Longevitarian. Please show your support by giving us a kind review and subscribing. You can also learn so much more about increasing the quality of your life today and the quantity of your life tomorrow at our website, modernlongevitarian.com. You can also join our private Facebook group at the link in the show notes. This episode is sponsored by Magnesium with Immune Boost by Electrolife. Stay hydrated and get yours today at electrolife.com forward slash shop. Come back next week for another amazing episode of the Modern Longevitarian.